Well, hey, everybody, how you doing? It's, that's, I don't know where that, what that clap is for. If we were in a golf tournament somewhere, I've heard that's appropriate. But this is Water of Life. We're here. We're excited about being here with our, our neighbors, our friends, our, the body of Christ. We get to worship the King of Kings today. How are you guys doing? Uh, we'll, we're going to work on that a little bit. So, well, my name is John. I'm the uh, pastor of our off-site campuses. I'm also the campus pastor over at Upland Campus. And we just want to say welcome. We're so excited that you're here today. We're so excited that we get to come together, that we get to do this. Uh, and so thankful that you would come out on a Saturday night and just be a part of our, our fellowship here with us. So uh, whether, uh, no matter what, where you're coming from originally, uh, if this is your first time, if this is your thousandth time, we just want to say welcome. If you are new here, if this is your first time and you just wandered in, we want to know who you are. We just want to know and say welcome. So if you could text the word new here, one word new here, to the number 818-818. Just let us know that you're here. We would really appreciate that. So we're going to have uh, some great worship and a, an amazing message coming up in just a moment. But before that, I want to put a few things in front of you just so that you'll know some things that are coming up here at Water of Life in the next month or so. And the first is... Uh, a lot of you have been through School of Ministry. I know I have. My wife and I, we loved it. How many of you have done School of Ministry? Just, I can't see it. Just clap or something or yell. Yeah. All right. So School of Ministry was awesome for us. We did the two-year program, and things change. The, the, our lives have changed over the past few months, but our, our need to minister has not changed and the message is always the same, right? And so we may change our methods, but the message is still the same. And so we're still going forward with School of Ministry. Everything's gonna be online. There's gonna be live classes, live interaction with uh, the teachers and the other students. Uh, they're geared up and ready to go, and it's getting started really quick here. So I wanna encourage you, if you've ever thought about jumping into School of Ministry, maybe you had a reason like you couldn't leave the house, you couldn't come out on a Tuesday night or a Sunday afternoon. Well now, you can do it from home. And so I want to encourage you, if you've ever thought about it or you've been a part of school of ministry before and you want to jump back in, now's the time. And so what they're doing is they're having a, an information and registration meeting this weekend, uh, Sunday, August 23rd at 2 p.m. And the first classes are coming up really quick. They're coming up September 8th is the first Tuesday classes and September 13th are the first Sunday classes. And so if you'd like more information or you'd like to register, text the word wall. S-O-M, so W-O-L-S-O-M, to the number 818-818 for details and to enroll. want to really encourage you to do that if you've ever thought about doing it. So also, as we're getting into fall, uh, we're going to start a new small groups campaign. We're getting ready to jump into small groups again. A lot of us have been off on break for the summer, or we've been, uh, we, we were on Zoom last spring, or maybe you've never been in a small group. And so I want to encourage you with this verse. It's a very uh, familiar verse maybe to some of us, but I think it really has a lot of meaning in terms of this time and small groups getting together. So Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So that's a beautiful promise. And I want to encourage you with something in regards to that verse. A lot of times we think of small groups in a certain way, but I want to kind of rewrite that script a little bit. What if you could just think of one or two, three friends that you'd like to meet with online to just talk about life and the sermon for that week? That can be your small group. It says where two or three are gathered in my name. And so I want to encourage you. The small groups team is ready to 
train you, to give you curriculum, to give you encouragement, to give you coaching, to give you the tools to go online, uh, give you everything you need so that you can get together with two or three friends and just talk about what's going on in your lives and get together, talk about things that are spiritual, that are meaningful in your life. And so we're going to be starting up as soon as the new sermon series series starts uh, in mid-September. And if that's something you might consider doing, I want you to text the word friends, friends to 818-818, and they'll get you more information and get you started. Also, uh, one of the things that's really suffered from this whole time has been our core value of sending. You know that we love to send people to places all around the world to bring uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and love to people in every corner of the globe. Well, since the coronavirus has come, we we haven't really been able to do that. But one of the things we can still do is we can still send resources, we can still send our love to our partners in other nations. One of the ways that we're doing that is through a blood drive coming up on August 30th. And so what you can do is uh, it's August 30th in the MPV right here from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. So all you have to do is go on our wall updates page. That's wallupdates, W-O-L-updates.com. And you can click on the events part, and then it will, uh, it will take you to um, August 30th, and you can register right there for, for an appointment. And this is a great way to be able to send your, your love, your prayers, uh, and finances to our, our partners in Nigeria. So just want to really encourage you to do that. Um, get an appointment and give a little blood and send some love to some great, great people in Nigeria. So as we prepare to worship the Lord together, I want to encourage you that uh, you can give today. Uh, there, are, there are offering boxes around the plaza out here, but you can also always give online uh, through our mobile app or through the Water of Life webpage, wateroflifecc.org. Uh, your faithful giving has allowed us to do ministry throughout this difficult time, and we really, really appreciate it. So uh, it is great uh, to worship today with you. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? And I'm going to go to the Lord for us in prayer. You know, during this time, we think about how separated everyone is. And I think things like the election and things like um, racial tension and all this stuff has just driven deeper and deeper chasms between people, different divisions between people. And in this moment, we as a church can stand up and be something truly special. We can do something that's truly supernatural as we as we live out the vision that God had for us, being one body, one faith, one baptism, in unity that is so startling that the world has to stand up and take notice. And so God, today we come to you. There are people who are worshiping online, there are people who are worshiping all over the world, but God, we're worshiping the same God, the same Son, the same Holy Spirit. God, we, we, we ask that you would bring us into a supernatural unity as we lift our voices that this world has not experienced outside of the church of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we are yours today. We raise our voices to you today. God, wherever we're at, here in this plaza, God, we raise our voices to you and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Do what you want to do in our lives. Lord, that you would come in power, that you would pour out your spirit on us, that you would grow your, the fruits of your spirit in each life. Father, that as we worship you in spirit and in truth, God, that you would be pleased with the sound that you're hearing. Father, we give this to you today as an offering. In Jesus' name. Would you worship with us today? Come on, wherever you are, can you put your hands together? 
you love Jesus right there in your living room, in your home, right here on the patio, can you scream for the one who saved your soul? Yes, Lord. Night has fallen and fear is coming. Still, you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. Yeah. I've decided I'm not you won't give up on me no you won't give up on me
an amazing reality that even when we feel lost Jesus you've called us found not just found but loved sons and daughters we can never outrun the love of God what an amazing truth that is and it reminds me of a verse in Romans 8 where it says that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and somebody needs to hear that today, that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's no sin too great. There's no shame too deep. There's no person too far gone for the love of God. And so today, would we just be in a posture of saying, God, I receive your love. It doesn't matter how far I've run in my past today, I receive your love. I am running to the Father today, knowing that there is nothing that can separate us. So right now, just between you and him, I don't know what you've been walking through, but in your own heart, just say, Jesus, I receive your love today. Would you sing like this with me? I've carried a burden i 
to the blinded eyes, Jesus. You bring hope to the hopeless, God. You bring life to the dead. We thank you for your promise that you're living, living in us. And we thank you for that freedom. We thank you for that relationship that we can have, that we can enter into your throne room boldly. We can approach you boldness today. And so we thank you for your power right here, right now, wherever we're at, wherever we're tuning in at. That your presence invades our hearts, it invades our homes, it invades our territory. That we can see a world change for you. We love you. We thank you for your presence and your freedom in it. We love you and we thank you. If you love him, wherever you're at today, can you put your hands together for Jesus? Amen, amen, amen. We're so glad you're here with us. Again, wherever you're watching from, won't you prepare your hearts as God's word comes. God bless you. Yeah, are you alive out there? Okay. Um, just a couple of thoughts before we jump in the Word. If you've got a Bible, an iPad, a phone, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. We want to welcome all of you in Townsville, online. We wanted to say hey, hey, and shout out to you and um, let you know that school ministry is getting ready to start. And some of you right now are, you got downtime. I want to encourage you, use your downtime to build yourself up. And uh, the school of ministry is just a great, great, great opportunity to do that. Uh, orientation tomorrow afternoon, online orientation at 2 o'clock. And classes start on the 8th and the 13th of September. So it's not too late for you to get into school of ministry. We want to invite you, encourage some of you, get into school of ministry. And then I told you last week we were going to have meetings. We we're going to start talking about uh, getting back and opening back up. And we had a meeting this week, and we're going to come back to you next week with some actual timelines on, on plans to start reopening slowly and thoughtfully, but reopening for bringing back on-campus meetings for empowered kids, Club 56, uh, uh, student ministries, uh, young adults, healing ministries, Celebrate Recovery, all those things that have been uh, on pause, those are gonna start happening. So we'll come back to, those, to, to you with those just shortly. And we, we will continue to offer them online, but we want to offer them in live, uh, in-person opportunities as well. So let's pray together and we'll jump in. Father, we want to come and say thank you, God, for loving us. You're amazing. You're amazing, 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 God. And thank you for worship. Thank you for your word. Father, we pray for your presence this evening to just be here with us. 
We're so grateful that we have a patio like this and a possibility to come and gather and meet together. But we want you, Father, to be here. We want you to be honored. We want you to be lifted up. And we want you to be a central focus of everything we do at Water of Life. So we pray for your presence here, Holy Spirit, that you would be honored and glorified and that we, Father, would get your heart and be built up to become the people you want us to be in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, okay, so we're in the third week of a series on 1 Peter. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about uh, living hope and how important it is to have a living hope. How many know it's important to have a living hope? Not a dead hope, but a living hope. And uh, a living hope for Peter wasn't I wish or I hope this happens. That wasn't what it was. It was a fact for him. That with God, that you have this living hope, and it's factual. It's just so big and deep, a part of who you are. It's ingrained in your person. And so we talked about that. We talked about, Peter talks about suffering a lot, like 11 different times in his book, because he was in, if you weren't here with us and, and you don't know the background of this, he was, this was probably written about 63 AD, and he was martyred in 64 AD, probably a year after he wrote this letter. And so when he wrote the letter, he was right in the middle of a persecution that Nero was doing, where he actually would take Christians, tar them, crucify them, put them on the road leading in and out of Rome, and light them on fire at night. A lot of you don't know about that, but some of you do. It was a horrific, horrific time for Christians in Rome. And Peter is writing in the midst of that kind of a scenario. And here's a guy with all of this crazy, oppressive things happening, saying, listen, 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 you can rise above this. You can have a living hope. You can have this situation that's amazingly impossible. Other people can't experience it, but you can because you are a holy nation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. It's an amazing picture. And, and what he's really asking you to do is, is understand the magnitude of your DNA change when you give yourselves to God that God can do this supernatural thing. When you are born again, you are literally what? Born again, new. You're born as a new creation in Christ. And so that's this whole picture here. So no matter what your circumstances look like, he just really says, God has secured your future, secured your hope. You are good no matter what. Don't lose your mind when the culture around you is. Don't lose your mind. Don't lose your way. Stay focused, focused, focused on Jesus. So he says you have a, this amazingly uh, profound living hope. Now, Pastor Rollo then jumped into uh, chapter 2 last week. Did I thought an incredible job last week with Pastor, uh, with, with what he had to, to, to walk through for Pastor Rollo was really deep. It was all on submission. And how many of you know we hate submission and authority? Just like, ah, here, Pastor Rollo, take this week, would you? No, I'm leaving. You do, you know, but he just did an incredible job because he talked about how Peter saw believers as chosen people, you know, a royal priesthood, living stones, holy nation, that our DNA is supernatural. And it is supernatural, but here's the problem with that. A lot of us don't live like it's supernatural. We live way too natural. Does that make sense? We live way too now. We live like everybody else. And we don't, we, don't, we don't live out of the power and authority and possibility that God has given us to enter into. And so we settle for way less than we should. And, that, and I thought Pastor Rolo touched on that last week. He talked about 
Jesus' suffering, Jesus' submission, the grace and power that comes out of that. See, submission and authority are hard issues, friends. And the reality is Peter uses that to paint a picture of spiritual warfare and how, how Jesus broke Satan's back by using submission and authority and how he wants Christians who are royal, priesthood, holy nation, have the DNA of Jesus to do the same thing. That's what this is all about. He said, listen, you have this amazing possibility not to live like other people, but to live like Jesus. And Jesus does this incredible thing, and I want you to catch it and then live out of it. So he says in chapter 2, just a little bit of background here. In chapter 2, verse 13, he says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution. You're like, get out of here. I'm out of that. But li li literally, what he's saying, the word is hupotasso. And it means to arrange underneath something. So it means like create order where there's disorder. So that's the military term. You know, in, in a non-military term, it means voluntarily cooperating. It means to assume responsibility for your situation. In, at Water of Life, we call it getting on your number. Okay, and that came out of a long time ago when I was a PE teacher. I would have 163 kids in my class and I'd blow the whistle and everybody had to do what? They had to get on their number. We were out on the basketball courts on the blacktop, and there were numbers written all the way. And I was going to take roll. And if you weren't on your number, you were not there. And I've always told the story over and over again because guys would always move off their number, and they would want to get close. You know, if they're Zimmerman, they want to be Appleby, but they really want to be, you know, a Bradshaw or a whoever they are. But they want to be next to the cutest girl in the class is what they wanted. So they would move off their number, and i go, look, you're not here. I'm here. No, you're not here. Your number's over there. There's nobody on your number. You are not here. Well, I'll tell you, it's a really good picture of how some of us operate in the kingdom of God. God has given you a number to be on, a place to arrange yourself in, and that is where your blessing flows. You get off your number, you get off your blessing. And that's what we don't get. We always think, man, I'm going to promote myself. I'm going to push myself up the food chain. I'm going to do better. No, 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 no. You let God promote you. You let God push you up the food chain, and that is where your blessing is. That's the whole picture of hupotasso. That's the whole picture of learning to stay on your number, be where God wants to bless you, and where your blessing is, not where somebody else's is. You got to get on your number. So we said this a couple weeks ago. I said this to you. I said, when he talks about a living hope, Peter, I mean, right in the midst of this persecution, people dying, literally he says this. Hope is the bridge that faith needs when our circumstances and our theology don't meet. And there will be times when they don't. So let me say that to you again. Hope is a bridge that my faith needs. There's times whenever I don't see what God is doing. I can't put together my circumstances and my theology. So here's my theology. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That's theology. It is. It's about the character of God, that you believe God is good when. But there's times whenever your friends die, it doesn't feel like God is very good. There's times when you're going through a divorce, it doesn't feel like God is very good. There's times when you're out of work, it doesn't feel like God's very good. There's times when you're sick, it doesn't feel like God's very good. The only way I reconcile that, friends, is a hope in God that grabs a hold of his character and says, listen, I need a bridge over this circumstance right now. I need to believe past what I'm feeling because my emotions lie to me. How about you? My emotions tell me all kinds of things that are not true every day, and so do yours. 
And the only way I get through that is to stay on that bridge of hope in God, even when I don't get what he's doing or what's happening to me. So we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We talked about suffering, how some people turn away from God in suffering, other people run to God in suffering, and it's a difficult, difficult thing. So last week when Pastor Rollo talked about this, I just thought he knocked it out of the park. I thought he did a great job trying to help you understand this. Now, one of the things that we're gonna do today, we're gonna talk about suffering just for a few minutes, so don't lose your mind over that because we're gonna talk about something nobody told me about when I got married. We're gonna talk about marriage a little bit today. And see, when I got married, my wife was in last service, so she was here last service. I just wanna tell you, she heard everything I'm gonna say. Um, and she agreed with it, actually. Um, when, when I got married, I thought there were like two rings in marriage that you had to buy your wife, an engagement ring and a marriage ring, right? And then I got married and I figured out there really aren't two rings in marriage, there are three. There's the engagement ring, the marriage ring, and the suffer ring, okay? That's the reality of marriage, okay? There's like, the suffering is sometimes really hard. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All you have to do is be married, and you know what I'm talking about. Now, when, when you start to get into this thing, and you start to run this picture and try to understand it, it's really important that you get the context. If you read verses out of context, you lose the whole picture of what the person, it's just like a conversation. You ever had a conversation with somebody and, they, and they're talking about something and you're like, what, 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 what is your point? What are you trying to get? And you can't figure out where they're going. Has this ever happened to anybody? You can't figure out where the person's going. I had this opportunity once when I was in, this happened to me uh, when I was in Malaysia. And I was going down one day to swim what they would call it, taking a bath. You'd go down to the river at the end of the day, like three o'clock in the afternoon, wear your sarong. You'd go down through the jungle, and we had a team there, and we would go down, and we would swim and cool off. It's the middle of the jungle, right on the equator. You're soaking wet with sweat all day long, and it's just really refreshing to get in the water. And this guy's telling me during the day, don't go there, don't go there. That's not a good place to swim. He's going on and on. I'm like, dude, what is your problem? What's your... And he would say things like this to me. There's spirits there in the water. Yeah. And then this other guy comes alongside and he goes, and he goes, yeah, the, you know, this girl, she died. The spirit killed her in that river right where you're swimming, where you want to go to swim. And I go, look, I'm okay with the spirits. That's not a problem for me. The spirits are not going to drown me. I'm going to go for a swim today. That was what I said. And so we were all getting ready to go down, and we started walking down the path to swim, and this guy comes up next to me, and he goes, Pastor, I need to talk to you about this. And I go, what? And he goes, you know where they're, what they're talking about? And I go, yeah, yeah, I have no clue what they're trying to say, but they don't want me to go in the water there. And they go, there's a crocodile that lives right there. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? I mean, if you just would have said crocodile, that would have been context, and I would have just said, we don't need to swim there. Instead, you tell me about spirits and a girl. The girl didn't drown by a spirit. She got eaten by a crocodile, okay? You tell me that, that changes everything. Does that make sense? It's the same picture here. It's exactly what's going on with Peter. Peter put a context in. Let me give you the context. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen. Imagine that. You are a chosen people. If you know Jesus Christ, God literally he saw you and said, you belong to me. You belong to me. I know your name. You belong to me. Now, here's the problem with that. And this is what Peter's trying to deal with in his book. A lot of us don't live like that. 
We live like, I don't feel chosen, I don't feel royal, and I don't feel very holy. <laughs> I mean, that's reality. And what Peter's trying to say, yeah, 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 but you got to get this. You have that DNA. It was imparted to you when you gave your life to Jesus. You have this possibility, but most of you don't live in it. Most of you don't understand it. That's what Peter's saying to all of us. Most of you don't get it. Listen, when you see people that live out of their DNA, they understand their identity is a chosen person, that no matter what happens, they're like, I'm okay. I'm okay because I got this living hope can't go away, can't kill it. You can kill me, but you can't kill my hope. You killed Jesus, he's still alive. You know, you can't, that, that's what Peter's talking about. That's called context. Does that make sense? So when you read this, don't look at chapter three and think, wow, this is a whole different discussion. No, 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 no. It's actually, and I'll show this to you in the words that Peter uses, it's all one long discussion. There was no chapter break. He was talking to people about how to live, and we put a break in there, which really doesn't work very well, and it really confuses the picture and makes it look like, well, this is one thing, this is, no, 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 this is a conversation, and it started way back here in verse, chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, he says, you're living stone, you, you know, Jesus is a living stone, he was rejected, but, but you're living stones, you're being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, you are special. And then he walks through who Jesus was, then he goes into verse 9 of chapter 2, he says you're a chosen race, royal priesthood, amazing picture, holy nation, people for God's own possession. So that, Now listen, so that what? You can proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into the light. So here, here's what he just said. If you live like chosen people, your light will shine bright. People will see you as different from everybody else, and they'll come like moss to the flame. They will be attracted to you because you have something they don't have. And that's the picture here. So then he goes on and he says this. He starts to walk through this whole order of what God's trying to put back into chaos of the world with the hope of his people. He says, you were called out of darkness into this marvelous light, for you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You hadn't received mercy, but now you have. And then he says in verse 11, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, don't live like everybody else. You're called to something way higher. You are royalty. You are royalty. You are called to something way higher. Live like that. Think like that. Operate like that. You are not called just to operate out of what everybody else operates out of. So he says this, abstain from fleshly lusts. Well, we automatically think sex. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about selfishness, self-focus. He's talking about anything that has to do with me and not him. He said, don't live like that. Don't live like your neighbor lives. Live like royalty. You were called to be this marvelous light to people. Live like that and watch people get touched. Watch the kingdom of God grow through you. Watch changes happen. This is an amazing, amazing picture. So he goes on and he says this. He says, keep your, your behavior excellent among Gentiles so that the, 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 the things they slander you in, they'll honor God because you're so thoughtful. And then he goes into verse 13. And he says, submit yourselves. That's hupotasso. That's like, get yourself in order. Submit yourselves to who? Every human institution. Are you kidding me? Whether to kings, governors, whatever, just submit yourself to people. Well, that's no fun, God. That, like, we don't even want to do that. Are you kidding? You don't know our king. Well, ho ho hold it. 
hold it, Nero was his king. Nero was taking Christians, putting tar on them, crucifying them outside of town, and lighting them on fire. I mean, you got to get the context. You got to understand the magnitude of what he's saying. You might be saying, well, I don't like President Trump or Governor, Governor Newsom. Or I'm not submitting. To, listen, just stop for a second. Hold it. Hold it. Nero was burning people at the stake. And he made this statement. Now, what is he saying? He's not saying that you do everything they want you to do all the time. Because there's clearly times in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when the, the government told people, don't talk about Jesus, don't do And they said, well, we can't do that. We have to do what God told us to do. So when you violate what God has told us to do, we're going to honor God, not you. But as long as we can honor you, we'll try to. That's the picture. Does that make sense? We want to do the right thing as much as we can. But, 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 it's not dependent on you being nice to me. It's dependent on God calling me his royalty and me choosing to live like that. And saying, look at this. It's like this. Have you ever had a time when you just wanted to punch somebody? You have. I, I have. And I have punched a few people, but it never, worked, it never went well at the end of that, okay? That doesn't ever work. And what he's really saying is this. He's saying, and that was before I knew Jesus. I need to say that, okay? But, but so you're all like, is that how you do counseling? You just, yeah, okay. That's why my counseling load is very light these days. But no, 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 really, the truth of it is this. You've got to figure out this. There's times when you don't want to yield and you have to. And you just close your mouth, zip it. Let your heart go down low, because he talks about humility. That means that you lower your heart down. Instead of raising yourself up and telling everybody what to do, how they have to act, that's not the spirit of Jesus. You can do that, but you're not operating in the spirit of God. You're operating in your flesh. That's why he's saying abstain from fleshly lust. Don't go there. And so then he says this, when you do that, when you stop and bow back down, you allow me to take over. Because I'm operating in the spirit realm so powerfully and so supernaturally, you can't see it. But it's exactly what Jesus did with Pilate. When they said, you tell us what, are you this, are you that, are you? And Jesus was just silent, just quiet. You know, I have the authority to kill you, Pilate said. And he said, no, you don't. Mm -mm. No, only my father has that authority. I, I'm just going to yield to my father and be quiet right now. And you can lose your mind, but I'm not going to lose mine. That's how Jesus operated. And that's what he's asking us to do, friends, in all the chaos that we feel around us. So watch this. This gets so good. So then he says this. He, he comes down. He says, submit to kings. Submit servants to your masters. Verse 18. And then he says in verse 21, oh, by the way, the reason I'm telling you this, you've been called for a purpose. You've been called for a purpose, something higher than yourselves. Since Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example, following his footsteps. So here's what he just said. There's operate in another spiritual realm than the world does. I know everybody around you is telling you not to do that. Friends, you live in a culture today that says exactly the opposite all the time. Operate in your willpower. Operate in, you demand your rights. Operate, no, no, Jesus said, don't do that. If you do that, you enter in with the enemy. When you operate in my power, you break the enemy's back and you kill the darkness. And friends, isn't that what we want? We, our, our, our culture needs that so bad right now. It needs people who really stand against darkness and say, listen, I'm not going to operate like that. And so here's what he said. He said, Jesus was your example. That though he was 
uh, reviled, he didn't revile in return. He operated in opposite spirit. When he was suffering, he didn't utter threats to anybody, but he just kept entrusting himself to his father. And he bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin, live to righteousness. By his wounds, we were healed. And then he says, for you were straying around like sheep, but now you return to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. You got a father who wants to protect you, take care of you. God, you are royalty, chosen people, you know, a priest. You, you, listen, he just said, just he just elevated you so high. You're way up here. Don't live down here. Live up here where God has called you to be and watch him do supernatural things through you. So then, then he jumps into this conversation that's very difficult. So let, let's just say that, very difficult. Okay, what does it look like? Well, it's no fun. So it starts off with six verses for women and one verse for men. And, you, and all of the girls say, well, yeah, because he's a guy. That's why he did that. <laughs> well, let me help you with that. You ever played Monopoly? Hello? Okay, six of you played Monopoly. The rest of you is a great game. You ought to try it sometime. So Monopoly, you know, think like this. You get four railroads, four roads, they're not, they're not worth very much. They're not even worth as much as one park place. So just think like that, girls. You got six verses, but they're not worth really, I mean, the power of one verse of what Peter says to guys in here. So the one verse to guys trumps everything he says to women. And, and by that, I mean this. He starts out like this, and you're not going to like this because of your culture and the way that you think about submission and authority. In, he says, in the same way, verse 3, hold, hold it, please read those first words, in the same way, in the same way. Down in verse 7, he says, you husbands, in the same way, in the same way as what? In the same way as Jesus. You're royal people, you're a holy priesthood, you're a chosen nation, you're like, woo, you're like way up here. Jesus is way up here, you're way up here. In the same way as he did, you live like that. That's what he's saying, that's a context. Changes everything. So he says this, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your husbands. Hupotasso, get on your number at home. That's what he's saying. What, what does that mean? I'll explain it to you in just a second. He says, so that even if they are disobedient, this is about men who don't know God, that they could be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. That their behavior would be thoughtful, respectful, that your adornment must not merely be external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, the hidden person of the heart. He's literally saying the thing that happens inside of you is the most important thing for women, men, anybody, the hidden person of the heart. So that by the quietness of your spirit, you would win a person. Friends, it's the same thing that Jesus did. His spirit was quiet when Pilate and everybody was on him and he broke the enemy's back. That is in the same way. That's what he's saying. You have this authority because you are a royal priesthood, a chosen people. You are a people of God's own possession. You are supernatural people. Live like that. So, so let's read this together real quick. If you're online, I want to invite you. Let's read it loud. Let's read it together. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, a bunch of the verses, and then chapter 3. Let's read it loud. It says, for the Lord's sake, yield to the people who have authority in this world the king who is the highest authority, and the leaders who are sent by him. Show respect for all people. Slaves, yield to the authority of your masters. Wives, you should yield to your husbands. 
In the same way, husbands, you should live with your wives in an understanding way and show them respect. Okay, hold it. That's pretty much everybody in the world. He says, kings, leaders, bosses, husbands, wives, slaves, blah, 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 everybody. Now, we have today more information about sex and marriage than we've ever had in, 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 in our lives, in our world, in our history. And we still have more divorces and more problems in marriage than we've ever had. So something's wrong with the picture. Does that make sense? Something's just really wrong with the picture. The, the picture is this. It's not sufficient to say that God is needed in homes because Christians are now divorcing almost as often as non-Christians. So that is not the issue. The issue is people not living like a chosen people out of their DNA. They're not living like a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a holy people. They're not living, we're not living like that. We don't see ourselves with that identity. We see ourselves like our neighbors see us and like other people in the community see us. And Peter's trying to say, you can't do that and be this great light that you're supposed to be. You've got to be different. You've got to be okay to be different. So he goes on and he says, listen, even though you know God, that's not a guarantee that your marriage is going to work. Marriage takes work. Is that right? Hello? Come on, somebody give me a little bit more than that. Marriage takes work. I mean, it takes, it's the third ring. It's the suffering. Let's just keep going. Okay, watch this. So, so, so he, here's what Peter's trying to do. He's trying to put order back into disorder. So all that these verses are, let me clarify this, because guys come into my office and they drop this text on me all the time, and they open their Bible, and they go, tell my wife to do this. Listen, that's written to your wife, not to you, bro. You're in verse 7. Read verse 7. That's for you. The other first six verses are for her but you need to read verse seven. And, and if she reads verse one through six and you read seven, this could work. You guys could make this happen. All this is, friends, is a tiebreaker. You gotta get that. And it's very clear to us in Ephesians five that we submit one to another, one to another, one to another. We're always exalting and pushing other people ahead of ourselves. We're living like royal priesthood. We know that we are abounding in, because Jesus is crazy about us. We don't have to worry about stepping back and letting somebody else step up because that's not where our identity is. Our identity is in Jesus. And he's given us a hope inside that's alive. We don't have to get our hope from stepping ahead of other people and being at the front of the line all the time. That's what he's saying. He's saying, so step back, let other people step up, honor them and bless them, watch what God does. He'll do this amazing thing. See, a lot of us, are, we're like, I don't like that. You know, listen, what you don't like is your flesh doesn't like that. But your spirit does. Your spirit feeds on the heart of God when you yield to, to, to him. And so what Peter's trying to say is, listen, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a people for God's own possession. Just act like that. Just live like that every day. And something supernatural will happen. Watch this. He said, you will be a people for God's own possession. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, you want to make a difference in your community? You want your light to shine in the darkness? I hope you do. You got to get this. You got to yield to the power of the Spirit. You got to start living like a chosen people. Man, God called me out of that. I'm not going to do that anymore. God called me out of the darkness into the light. I want to live in the light. I don't need to go back to being selfish. I don't need to go back to taking care of myself. God will take care of me. 
I don't need to contend with you all the time anymore. I don't need to be competitive over everything. I don't need to fight. See, Paul's trying to do this. He's trying to take what sin is distorted and put a reality back to it and put stability back to it because there was no competition, friends, when people were first created. People got along. Is that amazing thought or what? People got along. People don't get along today because we compete with each other because we live in a broken world. And what Peter's trying to do is say, let me help you put some context back to that and heal that. And so it has to do with submission and authority. So it goes over and over and over. Say, listen, things are messed up, but God can fix it up. Your marriage is messed up, God can fix it up. Your life is messed up, God can fix it up. But you got to yield. So you got to get this. Redemption holds the possibility of restoration. What does that mean? It means that Jesus can give back what was lost through brokenness. He can restore your marriage. He can restore your heart. He can restore your thinking, but you gotta let him. Jesus came to redeem people. And you, listen friends, you can't redeem your marriage any more than you can redeem yourself. You can't, but Jesus can. He redeemed you and he can redeem your marriage. He can redeem your relationships that are broken. He, he can heal what you can't heal, but only if you take on his identity, a chosen people, royal priesthood, you can, listen, God is crazy about me, I'm living up here. I'm not living down here fighting with you all the time. I'm gonna live up here, I'm gonna let God heal this down here. That's the picture that Peter's got for us here. That's what he's trying to say to us. He's trying to say, listen, become a joint heir. Walk together. A joint heir means this, and he's gonna call women, in just a second, I'll read it to you, a joint heir. Now, what is a joint heir? A joint heir is way different than an heir. An heir is a person who inherits part of the inheritance. They get part of the inheritance. A joint heir is a person who gets a complete equal, a complete equal. And this was an amazing thought when Peter preached this, because women were still being sold and bought and totally controlled by the men in the Roman culture. So women will read this sometimes and go, this is so oppressive, no, 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 no. It all has to do with context, friends. You gotta get the context. Peter just said something so radical in a Roman culture, so earth-shaking, that men would have read it and go, are you kidding? A joint heir equal with me? Absolutely. That's what God said, absolutely. You're equal, co-equal, co-heirs in the kingdom of God. There's no ruling over each other. The only reason this is in here, friends, is what I call a tiebreaker. It has to do with brokenness. We live in a fallen and broken world. There will be times that we labor together, we talk about situations, we plow the ground, we pray together, we wait, we talk some more, we still plow the ground, and at the end of the day, we still disagree. Anybody married know what I'm talking about? It happens, you still disagree. And he says, so there's got to be a tiebreaker. And here's the tiebreaker. Men, you got to lead. That's what your role is in this call. That's what he said. You're going to be the tiebreaker. But you don't exercise the tiebreaker hardly ever. Ever, ever, ever. The goal isn't to exercise the tiebreaker. The goal is to honor the other person. So you submit one to another all the time, all the time, all the time. And then it goes like this. It's just very clear. Whenever you do this, something supernatural will happen. Watch what he says. He says, so women... Adorn yourself, not with outside things, but inside things, things of your heart. Let it be, verse 4, the hidden person of your heart, 
with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious to God. For in the same way, and he talks about Abraham, Sarah, how these people honored each other, and God broke through. Then he talks about, listen, there's nothing here about bossing anybody, but just blessing other people. It's talking about not being a competitor, but being on the same team. Some of you that are married, you need to figure this out. And your marriage is just a huge competition. And it's not life-giving. You just battle with each other all the time. Instead of saying, look it, I am bound to you, and I am going to stay bound to you because God told me to. So I better figure out how to play on the same team as you. Because we're going to be teammates the rest of our life. So we better figure out how to honor each other and help each other be successful. That's the picture here. Now, watch what he says to men. So guys, let's do this together. I know you'd be really thrilled to do this with me. Let's read your verse. Just the guys. Can I hear an amen from the men? Yeah, yeah that's very quiet. Okay, let's keep trying here. All right, let's, let's go. It says this in 1 Peter 3, 7. Read it loud. Let's read it together. It says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. <laughs> I love that. Whoa. What? Well, there's like four things there that were amazing and shocking. This is a shocking statement for Peter to make in a Roman culture. I mean, it was just shocking. So there's one verse with four huge thoughts. First, it says this, live with her in an understanding way. It means with knowledge, literally with knowledge. Well, let me explain something to you. I've been married for 42 years and I still don't understand my wife. <laughs> Hello? I mean, come on. I've watched and watched and listened and thought and watched. And there's times when she does things and I just go, what? what? Why did you do that? What? And the answer is, because I'm not you. I'm a woman. And I think different than you. Is that right, gals, or not? It's just, a, and I'm like, okay, okay. So here's the deal. What am I supposed to do as a husband? It doesn't say, say that I have to understand her. It says live in an understanding fashion. So it says this, that you understand enough to go, okay, we're different. That was part of the deal. That's what God intended it to be. We're different. And if we're different, we're going to live different. It's going to be different. It creates a tension. But let me help you with that. It's supposed to be there. It's healthy. It causes both people to grow because we're made different. God intended it to be that way. He wants you to be different so that you will help each other grow. My wife has things that I don't get at all. I have things she doesn't get at all. When we put them together, if we partner together instead of competing against each other, we end up with this marvelous light. Anybody ever seen this in a marriage? With people that are so committed to each other, their light just is poosh. People around them go, wow, they are really thoughtful. Man, you just get around them and they're really godly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's what you're shooting for, friends. That's what Peter's talking about. They are, they are living like a royal couple. They're living like people who inherited greatness from their father. So, so what does it say? It says this, live with their understanding way, as with a weaker vessel. Now, I, I have men use this verse all the time. And they say this, that, that's, Pastor, you need to understand, women don't get it. I have guys say that, like, what? I'm afraid you don't get it, you know? It doesn't say that. This is talking about physical. It's talking about physical. Uh, the reality is women were not allowed to even run marathons for years and years and years in the Olympics. And today, there are women that none of us men could keep up with anywhere in the world. 
that they would outrun us in a second. I mean, the last time I ran a marathon, I just remember the girls running past me and they were talking to each other. I'm like, you know what? Do I just sit down and cry now or later? You know, once I could run, now I'm an old guy and now you're talking while I'm, <laughs> I can't even breathe. And you're talking to each other, running right past me. But listen, we all know this. At the end of the day, historically and typically, men are stronger than women. That's what it's talking about. That's all it's saying. It's just saying, be thoughtful and, and don't ask her to do all the heavy lifting. You're supposed to do that. That's all it's saying. It has nothing to do with, when a guy comes in my office and says to me, Pastor Dan, you, you know that Eve was the one who got deceived because she's weaker. I'm like, no, 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 actually, I didn't know that. You think that's what actually happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's in the Bible. No, it's not. No, let me tell you what's in the Bible. Eve got tricked into doing something wrong. Adam was just stupid enough to do it willingly. How does that make men smarter than women? I mean, it's not there, guys. It's just not there. I'm sorry, it's not there. And so when you get into this, it literally says, it's a great verse. It's a great verse. And it says this, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel, somebody weaker since she's a woman, and show her honor. Listen, this is so important. Show her honor. Literally, value. Value. Make her pricey. Make her feel special. Show her respect and honor. Put a value on your relationship that says, this person is expensive in my estimation. This person is important in my estimation. She is my bride and I will honor her. That's what he's saying. Honor her, make her feel honored, literally valued, respected, pricey. And then he tells you why. He says, because she is a joint heir. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. A joint heir. I already explained that to you. She is not just an heir who gets a part of the inheritance, but she gets everything you get of her father's wealth. This was such a game breaker, a deal breaker for Roman men. They would look at this and go, are you kidding? Are you kidding? That's, we've never thought that thought. We were never trained to think that thought. I know that. But now you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Think different. Don't live like everybody around you. Live like the DNA that God has given you. Live out of the power of the Spirit and the possibility God has set before you. If you do that, this amazing thing will happen. But if you don't, watch this, men, watch this. This is scary. If you don't, your prayers will not happen. Literally. Your prayer, literally, it says your prayers will not be heard. So if you don't honor your wife, see her as a co-equal with you on every front, treat her with the same esteem that Jesus treats you, if you don't do that, your prayer life's over. It's dead. Literally means to be cut in. Cut in. Now, most of us don't get cut in, so let me explain that to you right now really quick and we'll be done. Cut in looks like this. When I lived in Idaho 30 years ago, there were five of us up on a hill. We only had one telephone line. Anybody remember these days? It was called a party line. Does anybody remember party lines? 
And you're like, what the heck? If you're young, you're like, what is a party line? A party line means five different houses use one phone line. We didn't have cell phones. You used one phone line. So if you wanted to make a telephone call, you picked it up. If your neighbor is on the phone, then you would hang up. And then you pick it up again. And then when you got ticked off, you would just keep picking it up until you cut them off. That's exactly what this word means, that your prayer life will be cut off like that. That everything that you're doing will just be chopped off. It'll end. It won't happen. You will not communicate with God unless you honor your wife. That's a staggering thought. But he says this, if you do that, if you do that, watch this, to sum up, if you do this, now summing up means now we're, now we're ending this conversation about submission, authority, and all that, and the power of Jesus breaking through, and royal priesthood, and holy nation, and new DNA. We're ending that conversation by saying this, to sum up, let all of you be harmonious. Literally, get along together. Play together. Understand each other. Think the same. Work together. Friends, if you're in a, in a conversation with other Christians and you're arguing all the time, you are living in the flesh, not in the spirit. Because when people are operating in the spirit, there's harmony. They get along. It doesn't mean they're yes men or yes women. It just means they get along. They disagree, but they do it thoughtfully. They work with each other. They do it in a way that is a blessing. So literally, he says this, be harmonious. Be, get along. Then he says this. It's crazy. We're going to touch this next week in depth. But he says this, be sympathetic. That's a great word. It literally means feel other people's pain. Feel the people's pain around you. Because if you're really living in as royalty, man, you're feeling the pain of people around you. Then he finally says this, be kind-hearted and brotherly. Be brotherly. Love, be sisterly. Love the people around you. Love people. And then literally, be kind-hearted. What does it mean? I was hoping you'd ask that. It means from deep inside of you, love people. Kind-hearted literally means a deep heart, a deep heart, something way inside of you that you're like, look at, I don't like this person, but I need to be nice. This person's really struggling right now. This person's really underneath it. I want to honor them, help them, encourage them, pay their light bill, you know, pay their rent, touch them, feed them, whatever it looks like. Friends, he says, listen, be kind-hearted, and the only way you'll do that, watch what he says in summing up, it will come through humility. Be humble in spirit. Do not operate in the same spirit as your neighbors. Don't return evil for evil, insults for insult, but bless people even if they don't like you. For you were called for this purpose that you might inherit a blessing. This is such an incredible, incredible picture, friends. Bless people so they'll bless you. That's what Jesus did. What did he do when he's hanging on the cross? I mean, that's your picture of royalty. I mean, it was, wasn't Jesus even named as a king when he was on the cross, yes or no? He was royalty. And you're like, that doesn't look like royalty. Oh, it does today because he broke hell's back. He humbled himself so that we could all be lifted up, so you could be adopted, so you'd be called a holy nation, a royal priesthood, chosen people. And he says, you got this new DNA. Let's start living like that. Let's treat each other right at home. Let's take the high road instead of the low road. Let's do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. It's an incredible picture. Incredible picture. Friends, we are supposed to be a light in darkness. We don't need to act like everybody else today. We need to act different, live different, and be different. We are called out of darkness into the light. 
Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we want to come to you right now and just say thank you, God. What an amazing thing to be chosen people. A royal priesthood. Peter, oh, he just elevated believers so high. He just said, look, you have this amazing DNA. Let the Spirit of God bring it out. Let the Spirit of God pour it in. Let me touch you so that you would look like Jesus, act like him, and live like him. Not raising your fist, shaking it at people, exalting your position, but bowing your heart and letting me work to break the enemy's stronghold. So, Father, we pray for that in our homes, our hearts, our workplace, our schools. We pray for your hand in our lives that we would look, act, and think different than the people around us because we have been called out of darkness into light in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. amen. Okay, a couple things really quick. There's going to be some people that want to pray with you. If you need prayer, up here in the front, they'll be socially distanced with masks on. They'd love to pray over you before you go home. And also, I think that the cafe is still selling drinks. I think there's ice cream for sale in the back if you want to get some on the way out. God bless you. Pick up your um, plastic covers if you would. Throw them in the trash can. And have an awesome week, right? God bless you. All right, wasn't that an amazing message from Pastor Dan? It's exactly what we need to hear during this time. I think about all the things that he was sharing and just how divided our world is right now, how unharmonious our world is, how uh, people are torn apart, and especially with the coronavirus and everything, even in our homes, how, how divided we are, how angry people are toward each other. We're seeing so many issues rise up in the home because we're kind of pressed into each other uh, all the time. And so before we go, I want to consider something. There was that last verse that really just kept rattling around in my head and my heart, and it said five things. There were five statements that he said, and it was uh, harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. And I think for me, I'm just going to try to this week focus on one of those things. And so my challenge to you, wherever you're at, is just to think of those five things and say, God, which one of those do I really need to work on? Just this week, just one small step. Do I need to be more harmonious with other people? Do I need to be more sympathetic? Do I need to be more brotherly, more kind-hearted? Or do I really need more humility in my spirit? And I think about what that means for each one of us, especially right now. Coronavirus, racial tensions. Here in America, we're dealing with this election. It's just dividing people like crazy. Um, not only in our, in our homes, but in our lives, in our workplaces, in social media, we're just tearing each other apart. Which one of those things do you really need to focus on? Which one of those things is God really whispering in your heart and saying, this is what we're gonna work on this week? And we're gonna pray that we would just submit to God and allow him to work that process in our hearts and our lives. Before we pray, I just want to remind you that you can request prayer right now from a pastor. You can click that button on the online interface. You can click that button and say request prayer, and you can get prayer right now from someone uh, who will pray with you in the chat. Um, also want to remind you that as we're doing all these things that Pastor Dan talked about, you can always get updates. You can always get, can always get great content from our website at walludates.com. So let me pray for you real quick before we close out. Father God, I just thank you for our online community. I thank you so much for what you're doing in their lives and hearts, what your spirit is doing in their lives right now. God, I just pray wherever they're at, whatever they're, uh, wherever they're watching, Father God, that you would uh, 
impress upon their hearts right now one of those five areas that you're going to partner with them to give them the strength to live out. And God, that it wouldn't be something that they're doing, but it would be the fruit of your spirit in their life, that you would create a harmonious nature in them. You would create a kind-hearted spirit. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you do it for them right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with us. We're so thankful for you. Pray that you'd have a really blessed, just amazing week. And we'll see you next weekend. God bless.